the suitcase from the van Cause if you want the best But you don't ask questions Then brother, I'm your man Cause where it all comes from is a mystery It's like the changing of the seasons And the tides of the sea But here's the one that's driving me berserk Why do only fools and horses work? La 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 Oh, shut up, you tart. Louis Armstrong, and welcome to a new episode of Only Goats and Horses with your two hosts, Bread Roll and JT. Bonjour, or au revoir, whatever you want to say. Hi, everyone. We're back after, well, about two weeks off. We've had Bread Roll, haven't we? Doing uh, various things in uh, our actual lives that don't revolve around Dale Boy and Rodney. Um, so, yeah, we're back and we're starting a new series today, Series 5, Episode 1. And the episode is called From Prussia with Love. And this aired on the 31st of August, 1986, and it had 12.1 million viewers. So dropped off a bit from Series 4. Um, a couple of million people obviously couldn't be asked to watch this one, Bread Roll. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because it's, um, as we'll obviously discuss as we go along, it's uh, a bloody good episode, really. One thing I was thinking, as we've mentioned before, like in the previous one, like Albert was kind of semi-written in. He really comes into his own in this one. It's literally hits the ground running, so... I wonder why it didn't get as many, because obviously the Hulling Back was really successful. It's the first big Christmas special, like the feature-length one. So it's strange that it dropped off a little bit. But I imagine it will pick up. be interesting to see how that kind of peaks out over the course of this particular series. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I imagine it will pick up. Um, maybe there's something on the other side. Who knows? I mean, we've said before there weren't that many channels back then. It's strange as well. You're saying, obviously, Albert really comes into his own from this series on. Um, but this episode, obviously, was still originally written for Leonard Pierce. How much of it had been written before he passed away, I don't know. But, obviously, originally he was going to be in it, and this was going to be in Series 4, wasn't it? So he's obviously had to tweak some bits to get old Buster Merrifield, you know, into the episode. But it does work really well in this one. Yeah, yeah, it does work really well. And the, the chemistry, just to say, between the three of them, the three main ones as they become now... Is so good in this. Um, and Albert, he has more of his mannerisms and stuff, like that head movement that he does and the whole, like, yeah. Like, we had a bit of it in the original. He was like, I think it's just probably just natural Buster Merrifield, some of it. That's how all the best characters are usually, like, part of the person themselves who are playing it. But he really does become, like, his own sort of person in this one. And it's really good. Yeah, he really does. Yeah, the, the head movement, which he does a few times, is brilliant. We used to do that, didn't we, when we were working together sometimes in the old, yeah. Um, it's weird as well. Um, obviously, we, we meet Anna in this episode. She's in the episode she's, she's in. She's never a recurring character. But Erica Hoffman, who plays her, I've always wondered this. She's actually British. She's not German. I mean, she plays a fairly convincing uh, German girl in this, I would, I would say. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've never actually really thought about it. I mean, if I did think about it, I thought, yeah, she probably is just a British actress doing, obviously, what she's doing. But yeah, I think she's pretty convincing enough. She plays the part, doesn't she, in that? opening bit as we'll talk about in the uh, synopsis like she goes through like two or three different languages doesn't she like she speaks like German I think she, sp- she speaks French doesn't it as we'll get there in a minute when Del Boy goes over and tries to speak French as someone who actually knows how to speak French that bit's fucking hilarious yeah it's brilliant isn't it yeah I mean she had a few other roles here and there on TV nothing major I don't think just looking at her on wiki earlier um, but yeah I mean obviously logically she would have been a British actress there's no point to get an actual German in but her French accent she's, she does when she does battle Dell with her French I thought was really good and also um, I picked the synopsis off 
the Only Fools fan wiki page, which we'll run through in a second. They've pointed out a little gaffe that David Jason makes in this episode, and I've never noticed it before. It's very discreet, and fair play to them for picking it out. Um, and I'll come to it when we get to that part. It's towards the end. I don't know if you know what I'm on about. Have you ever noticed it? Because I've never noticed it before. Uh, no, I don't recall anything, um, um, gaff-wise or anything. So I'm interested to, uh, to hear about that. Or maybe I have noticed it, not really kind of like clocked, if you know what I mean. Like I've probably seen yeah. this episode quite a few times. I've probably seen it and never actually really got like the penny hasn't dropped or anything. So yeah, I look forward to hearing that one. It's it's very subtle. And to be fair, when I read this, I had to go back and just quickly rewatch that scene. And he definitely does do it or say it. Um, but yeah, we'll come to it, obviously, when we get to that on the synopsis. It's, like I say, towards the end. Um, so should we have a look at the old synopsis then, Brad Roll? Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Let's see what it's all about. Okay, and like I say, this is pulled from the Only Fools uh, fan wiki. It's quite a chunky one, but there's a fair bit that happens in this episode. Um, and just, uh, as always, a big shout-out to Dan Parkinson for doing our uh, lovely intro that he does for us on the Only Fools and Horses podcast. He plays all the instruments, sings the theme tune. Um, brilliant stuff, Dan. Cheers for that, mate. Right, let's have a go then. So, the Trotters befriend a girl in the nag's head. She's a German girl called Anna. Mike says she keeps bursting into tears. Anna says she's been thrown out of a student accommodation earlier on today and has nowhere to go. Del Boy thinks Rodney's trying to chat her up and Del and Albert leave the pub and Del gives Rodney the van keys as he and Albert will walk home. Del is trying to sell some mobile telephones to Mike. Rodney invites Anna back to his and Del's flat and as she gets up and gets her belongings, Rodney sees she is heavily pregnant. So this, this opening scene in the pub is brilliant. And there's some great lines. And as we said at the start, this is where Albert or Buster really comes into his own. And he just starts this episode so well. And he just then he just carries on just being the Albert we know and love, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Like I said, it just kind of hits the ground running this one, especially, again, this is at the point now where I think if you you've know, you know any fools and horses, you remember watching it. Maybe you don't watch it obsessively like JT and I do. But you remember a lot of the stuff from kind of this series onwards. This is where it kind of became its own thing. Um, yeah, yeah, really good. Love the opening to this one. Exactly. It's good to see Mike back. He starts to become a regular now, doesn't he? He's had a few appearances here and there, but he's never really been a regular. But from this series on, um, he sort of comes into it nearly every episode, I would say. I mean, Dale spends most of his life in the Nags head anyway, so it's only right that Mike becomes a regular. Also, Maureen still behind the bar. She's been around since series three, I think. Yeah, I was thinking, I was trying to remember her name for some reason. I really crap at remembering these barmaids, but yeah, she must be the one who probably lasts the longest, I'd say, because I know Neris turns up, but she only really features properly in one episode, although she is kind of in the background in a couple of other ones. But yeah, she must be like the longest running uh, barmaid, actually. Yeah, definitely. She is in it for, for a fair old while. It's strange as well, just watching this again earlier for obviously the podcast. And they say Anna's been sat in the pub all night or whatever. She hasn't even got a drink with her, I don't think. I don't think you'd be allowed to sit in a pub all night without a drink. Certainly not these days. They kick you out for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, pubs these days, I mean, I mean, even just your average sort of country pub must, what, about 11 o'clock closing time or last orders, maybe midnight yeah. closing everything. But Yeah, so it's 11 o'clock normally for your average pub unless they've got a late licence or whatever, but that's more the sort of town centre pubs, isn't it? It's strange as well, obviously, when Dell goes over there and he tries to work out where she's from and everything. And Mike and Maureen are like, oh, she's been here all night. We don't know what she is. She doesn't speak a word of English. Well, she bloody does. So they haven't tried that hard to find out where she's from because obviously once Dell finds out and then they start talking to her, her and him and Rodney, she speaks pretty good bloody English. 
Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. I don't know why it takes her so long to actually get around to it. She sat in an English pub. Why don't you say, can someone help me? It sounds like they're just doing all their lingo. I love the way that um, when Dell's like, he's trying to get the drinks and he's like, oh, I'll go and speak to her. And then he gets the, uh, the drinks for free. It's always, it's always blagging Mike. I swear he never spends a penny in this bloody pub. But then um, Mike's like, yeah, Dell, you speak a bit of French. And he's like, oh yeah, potillage mon femme or whatever the fuck he says. It's something <laughs> stupid like that. Then he goes over to her and obviously she does the whole French spiel. Uh, I, hear, I hear Chambre, which I think is bedroom. I mean, it's been years since I did French, but as as I said, her, her French is really good. She puts on the accent and everything. And Dell is sort of mouthing what she's saying back to himself, isn't he? Sort of his lips are going, and he's like, nah, I don't speak a word of French neither. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, and then we get the classic. It's like, oh, she's Deutschland. Oh, she's German. And <laughs> fucking Albert. I love this bit. He comes <laughs> over and he's like, oh, I can speak a bit of German. Oh, is there in the war? And Dell's like, yeah, yeah, you speak to her. Find out, you know, what's her name, you know, where she's from and all that sort of stuff. Leave it to me, son. What is your name? I was just like, it's fucking amazing. It's the face he pulls when he says it as well. It's just so fucking gormless. <laughs> it's brilliant. Dell's like, what is your name? And he's having a laugh and is he winding me up or something? It's just absolute pure comedy gold, that line. Yeah, it's amazing. And again, it's just that whole, the expressions, the mannerisms, like Albert really comes into it this time. He's, he's amazing throughout this whole episode, but that just kicks us off really nicely. Yeah, and then it's a bit weird, obviously, a bit later on in the series, um, we'll get to the episode with the hang glider, which name always escapes me, when they're both trying to get after, um, well, she's Trick's um, niece, isn't it? But Dale just lets Rodney take over here, doesn't he? Normally, Dale's trying to muscle in as well, if there's a woman about, and the cat's just jumped on my phone, so apologies. Um, yeah, but he just like kind of lets Rodney take over. I don't know, maybe it's because Anna is, well, she's supposed to be 19, so maybe even for Dale, that's a bit young. But I just find it a bit strange that he's not trying to muscle in as well. Yeah, you're right, actually. I never thought about that. He does kind of give up pretty easily, don't you? Because any um bit of skirt, really, um, and he's straight in there. But uh, yeah, he kind of just gives up quite, quite easy. Now, like, what is it he comes out of? He's like, um, he thought he was going to pull a Swede and she gets lumbered with a cabbage or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's great, isn't it? Unless, oh, Rodney's trying to obviously cheese her up a little bit about a hotel and everything. And when he finds out she hasn't got a hotel and he's like, you can stay in our flat. It's comfortable. Well, it ain't really comfortable. And then he's like, you can have my bed. Well, where will you sleep? Oh, we'll think of something, eh? And his eyes light up a bit, don't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. He thinks he's well in for it. And that bit, though, it's so good, his expression, because we know, like, Lindhurst can pull some dopey faces. She stands up. When she picks up her briefcase, like, moves it off her lap, and you see that she's pregnant. He just keeps this kind of really, like, weird, like, oh, fuck, type of smile on his face as she walks past. And then you've got old uh, Mike and what's the name, the barmaid, their faces as he walks by are just incredible. Yeah, that's how I sort of got my last note for this scene. Just uh, like say Rodney's face, and then Mike and Maureen just cracking up behind the bar, knowing they, they've not stitched him up as such. But yeah, he's kind of getting more than he bargained for, isn't he? Do you reckon Mike knew that she was pregnant? He just didn't tell anyone, or because she's just been sat there? Because he must have seen her walk in, surely. Yeah, I don't know. I think so because his face when Rodney sees and obviously uh, Anna gets up his face isn't one of shock is it he's just laughing like oh, yeah, I fucking knew she was so yeah I'm pretty sure he would have done like you say and I mean they say they've been over talking to her and stuff so they probably would have noticed but who knows I guess that's one left to your imagination whether he did or not but I'd say he did yeah yeah fair point okay so let's see how the episode continues now this is quite a chunky um, synopsis bit here for not a lot happening but um, I did my best with this one Bredwell Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Back at the flat, 
Nelson Mandela House, why they had to name it, I don't know. We know what it's called. Del is not happy to see that Rodney has invited her to stay for the night. Del and Rodney go into the kitchen where Del wants a quiet word to say this girl is heavily pregnant and may go into labour while staying with them, and he cannot take the risk. Albert says, Albert says he may even be expecting twins or triplets. In fact, he also says all quadruplets. He goes a bit mad with that. Del says she could have a belly full of people. Rodney is angry that Del can just chuck her out on the streets. Del says to Anna that there's not enough room for her to stay. Anna gives the reason why she is pregnant, as in who is the father. Anna explains that the couple she worked with, the Wainwrights, a rich businessman and his wife, threw a house party where Anna got drunk. The Wainwrights' family son, Spencer Wainwright, a university student, took advantage of Anna, led her to the upstairs bedroom and got her pregnant. He then told her not to tell his parents. But later that morning, Anna told them, and when Mr. and Mrs. Wainwright asked Spencer, he denied the whole affair. Mr. and Mrs. Wainwright told Anna that she was disrupting Spencer's education and they then threw her out, as well as give her some money for a flight back to Germany. But Anna does not want to bring her baby with her, as she wants to place it up for adoption when it is born. So then Dale agrees to let her stay for the night. So that's quite a chunky bit there. I mean, there's a fair bit of heavy dialogue in this, but it's um, not a lot in time really happens for that, for all that explanation there, does it? Yeah, yeah, a lot goes on. Um, one thing I like about the start of this scene again is like Dell selling his like fucking dodgy wares and everything like that. And he comes in, he's like got a, he's on the phone. He's like, look, Christoph, everyone's got a cordless phone these days except you. Of course, they're not faulty. I said, of course, they're not faulty. It's like fucking banging it on the side. Um, yeah, the size of that fucking cordless phone. I mean, I remember having one back in the day. They're fucking ridiculous. Yeah. The size of a microwave on his head. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have one of those. I remember them. And then obviously Rodney comes in with Anna and Dell sees he's pregnant and then he's like, I've got to go, Christoph. Something big's come in or come up. And then um, you can hear the phone crackling everything away, sort of proving that they're, they're shit phones, obviously, because Dell wouldn't sell one that worked properly, would he? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> we get a good uh, comment about Dell's uh, selling and they uh, what happens with everything you buy from Dell Boy later on is one of the best lines in the episode. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it, that line? Yeah, absolute class from Boise. It's weird as well. Like, obviously, um, they're eating fish and chips, uh, where Albert is anyway, and he offers Anna a piece of haddock. God knows what time this is, because obviously they've been kicked out of the Nags exit closing time, so God knows what time it is now, and he's sat there eating fish and chips. And Rodney says, oh, he's taking Anna down the Star of Bengal, which I thought was sort of a bit random, just taking her for a curry. Well, yeah, especially considering, like, Rodney never has any money. Like, if they ever go out for dinner, it's always Dell who takes them out, isn't he? So when he takes them down like the Chinese or the Indian and stuff and buys half the menu. Um, so yeah, it's strange that Rodney would have actually, you know, like you say, he gave Rodney clear space to try and obviously get with this girl in the first place and obviously uh, gave him the van as well. And Rodney's got cash on a hip to take them both out for a curry because no disrespect or anything, but it's a fact that pregnant women eat a lot of food. So he'd have had to buy like a big old portion, <laughs> wouldn't he, for a blesser? <laughs> he probably would have done. If she's been kicked out of that flat or house earlier in the day, she probably hasn't eaten all day. So she's going to be bloody hungry as well. But yeah, I also it's a bit weird when he just says he's taking her down the Star of Bengal. And then obviously, it's like, do you think a ruby was a good idea in her estate? But the bit where obviously Albert comes in the kitchen when they're talking about, obviously, Del says she can't stay and everything. If I'm not mistaken, that girl might be up the duff. It's so fucking stupid, but it is quite funny. Yeah, and he does that head movement as well, doesn't he? And that bloody expression, up the duff, and his fucking head's wobbling. There's a bit here that... um. That fucking cracks me up as well because they're talking about like they've got to try and help her and stuff and he's like yeah we're in the european community now we've got to stick together pity her knees didn't 
I think that's it's a bit fucking crass, but it's fucking hilarious. I've actually got that here. It's a bit of a dodgy line, isn't it? But it is very good. And then when Del goes up to Anna to sort of tell her that, you know, she can't stay and everything, the first thing he says to her is like, Munchen Gladbach. Just a fucking, he's obviously got that from the German football team, Munchen Gladbach. That's pretty much all the German he seems to know. Apart from Borsprung Dirk Technik from the Audi ad, he says to her a bit later on. I was going to say, I've got that one written here that he fucking says that. <laughs> it's like, um, oh, when they're trying to sort of get out of Anna what happened and everything, and she's like, please. Every time, obviously, they say something, she doesn't really understand, even though she speaks bloody good English. But obviously, they're, they're sort of talking in a bit of Cockney rhyming slang, and obviously, she's not going to understand everything. But then um, when um, he's like, she, she's like, um, oh, he wanted to, uh, uh, what's the word? And Dale's like, oh, you mean he wants to, and starts to do some kind of crass fucking sort of gesture. And they're like, Dale! It's quite funny. I wonder what he's about to say. Yeah, yeah, because it looks like, well, like you say, the gesture itself looks like, you know, it could be one or two different things, really. <laughs> um, and there's a bit here, it's like, it becomes a bit of an ongoing thing. Like we said before, yeah, whenever they mention Mickey, it's always Mickey Pierce, isn't it? And I swear, yeah. every time Dell mentions Boise to someone, it's like he always says the line, you remember Boise, the second-hand car trader? But that's when um, yeah. we always get, like, Albert going, yeah, as his fucking yeah. response. Yeah, and that's just that, a classic. Yeah, I've got, got that here. He does actually say that. And so, of course, he's going to remember Boise. How many friends have you got called Boise? Um, I mean, Albert, just trying to think when Albert's met Boise in any episode. So, I don't know if they've been together in an episode, have they, so far? I'm not sure, actually. That's a good point. I didn't actually clock that, didn't Oh, they must have been. Um, yeah, they were in Holland back, weren't they? Because he came back on the boat and stuff. So we've met then. Oh, least. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's not going to forget Boise from that, is he? <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, he, he would have met Boise anyway because Dell was always bumping into him and stuff. And Albert seems to be sort of permanently attached to Dell and Rodney. So they would have definitely crossed paths by this point. But anyway, yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Like you say, he always introduces him by Boise, the second-hand car dealer or trader. And so like, we know who the fuck Boise is, but... We also know who the fuck Mickey Pierce is, but he has to say his full name every time. I'm surprised he doesn't slip his middle in, middle name in there as well if he's got one. Yeah, right. It's quite good as well, though, because obviously Dale was completely anti-Anna staying, but when she gives him the sob story, again, Dale shows he's, he's got a heart of gold, really. he changes his mind really quickly, and then he, he can't do enough to help her, can he? He's like, oh, picks up all the stuff, and come on, are you okay? And he's really, like, genuine to her. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I think so, one thing... Um... Yeah, there is actually some quite odd sort, sort of, I don't want to say touching, I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, there is some, again, some good acting here, especially some from Boise in a little while. Um, but yeah, there is actually some kind of like the more that kind of drama side that we see from Only Falls in this one that's quite good to see. Yeah. One thing before we do, just move on quickly. <laughs> I've never really thought of this before until I watched this about an hour ago. So obviously, Anna says in the pub, um, where we usually to Rodney, and he says, oh, I'll think, we'll think of something, eh? So when Rodney then takes um, Anna into his bedroom, he doesn't come back out. So maybe he does sleep in there with her. Obviously, I'm not saying anything happened in her state, but he never comes back out. Because this is when Dale and Albert now have the story, uh, the sort of chat about Boise in that, isn't it? And Rodney doesn't come back out. Yeah, that's true, actually. I wonder what he's doing in there. Well, probably best not to wonder, really. Nothing <laughs> un- unseemly, I'd imagine. But there's a fucking the bit here that ends the scene when they're talking like Albert's like, oh, yeah, you know, all these people, these young people who are trying to have kids and they can't. And then something like that happens to Anna and everything. And then, um, like, Dale starts talking about Boise and stuff. And when it's sort of the penny drops about what the sort of scam he wants to do or, like, the deal, the fucking smile that he pulls is, I don't know if it's, yeah. like, sinister or just fucking pantomime. I don't know. It's just... It's hilarious, but at the same time, it's just like, where did that smile even come from? 
Yeah, it is, it's really, it is almost sinister, isn't it? Anyway, let's have a look at how it moves on then, bread roll, because um, we're getting to what we just talked about there. So Dale has an idea. As Anna wants to give up a baby, Dale knows Boise and Marlene cannot have their own babies and may want to adopt. He sees Boise and tells him he knows where a baby is going. The mother wants to give the baby up. Boise is reluctant, but Dale wants to do it without going through the adoption agency and for him to earn some money. Marlene says she is up for the idea and asks Boise for a quiet word. Rodney's angry that Dale is trying to sell a baby and quietly tells him he will earn out of this. Dale pretends to be hurt. Boise says he won't be able to adopt officially as he did time some years ago for perjury, embezzlement, perverting the course of justice and trying to bribe the mayor of Lambeth. Dale says the cost of Anna's airline tickets, birth certificates and such should come to about £3,000. So this is a bigger scene with a less of a synopsis. I think Bread Roll this whole bit is quite a lot happens here and it's actually it's really good to see Boise and Marlene back together again yeah yeah definitely they make such a good pair and I'm glad they sort of bring her back obviously she's a bit more of a mainstay now but um yeah this is quite an integral scene and there's a couple of bits here just straight off the bat one they dub in like fucking loads of fake barking for uh, Duke again don't they when he's playing with Rodney it sounds dreadful and what the fuck is Boise wearing he's got like a canary yellow fucking cardigan like Battleship blue fucking trousers and stuff. He looks like, I don't know, almost like a French fancy. It's fucking dreadful. <laughs> ah, that's a great... I've got here, Boise looks like a shirt, but lemon. But obviously, <laughs> that's his <laughs> That's his top, but he's obviously got the blue trousers on. So, yeah, fondant fancy or something is probably better. Um, but, yeah, the bit where uh, Rodney's playing in inverted commas with Duke, I mean, it is... I think the way they've got Duke bouncing around and jumping on top of Rodney is quite good. Cause obviously... He's a dog, and you know you've got to train the dog to do that. And he's a big dog as well. But yeah, the fake barking noises are a bit over the top. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They are better than they were in um, Sleeping Dogs Lie, though. I mean, they just sounded ridiculous when he put them in the back of the van. Um, but yeah, the angle is uh, much better on this one. And another thing, I don't know what time of day this is supposed to be. I assume it's the next morning. But Boyce is already on the brandy, isn't he, in his house? There was like yeah, like the little mini bar, like drinking the beers. I know they drink all day, every day, um, pretty much. But, yeah, they just seem to be like having brandy for breakfast. Not a bad uh, trick, really. No, not at all. Yeah, I, I did notice that. Boise's got a fairly big glass in his hand. Dale's on, I think he's on, like, the Maccasins or something. But then when Rodney comes in, he tells um, he said, top me up and get yourself one. He's helped himself to Boise's drinks. And then when Boise and Marlene go to have their little chat in the corner, which I'm not sure how Dale and Rodney wouldn't hear them because they're only about two feet away, Dale then goes straight for Boise's whiskey and starts pouring himself one of them, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And again, once he's probably going to be driving. I know he could probably get uh, Rodney to drive, but then he gives Rodney a beer when he comes in. It's that bit where Rodney comes charging in and they'll fucking stop. He's like, I think I wore him out. He's a rascal. <laughs> I mean, obviously, what Dale's doing is properly dodgy anyway, selling the baby. And you, I don't think you get away with this in the TV show these days. Um, but he's also properly lying to Boise. So, and obviously, he's had a scan. It's going to be a boy. Obviously, that turns out not to be the case. But He's actually giving completely false information, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, like even the fact that he's like um, three grand and stuff, and I'm not condoning this type of behaviour, and it's a little bit rinky-dink even for Dell, really. Like, I know his yeah. heart's in the right place in the, in the way, but I'm liking three grand for something like that. I mean, I know three grand was a lot more then than it is now, but that sort of job you'd be wanting, you know, considering how much trouble you could get into, I'd be you'd be wanting like in the millions almost, wouldn't you, really? I was thinking that. Yeah, three grand, I mean... As Albert says a little bit later, I don't know, I ain't never flogged a baby. But um, yeah, three grand doesn't seem a lot. I mean, it's it's something that would never happen, you'd like to think. I mean, obviously, it has happened and it probably still does. But 
as you say, for Dell, I mean, selling dodgy fucking phones or whatever is one thing, but selling the baby is just a little bit below the belt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's another bit as well when um Dell was telling fucking Boise about like the um like Anna and that being from Germany and Boise's like, Oh that's lovely, Marlene. In a little while from now we could be a welcome from the pitter patter of little jackboots. That always <laughs> cracks me up. <laughs> yeah. And then when he, he says to um Boise's like, It's definitely a boy and uh, uh Rodney's like, What's going on? Uh Boise's thinking of getting a boat and I'm sorting out some equipment for him. It's like, yeah, that's not really going to wash with Rodney, is it? And obviously Boise gives it away anyway, talking about the, the mum and everything. Doesn't he say something about, oh, she's Boris Becker's cousin or something? Yeah, he's like, is he healthy? Yeah, he's Boris Becker's cousin, something along those uh, those lines. Bit of a random statement. but Yeah, and that's obviously when uh, Rodney clocks what's going on. And um, obviously, he's not happy. And fair play, he shouldn't be happy. And this is where we also, as it said in the synopsis, we find out about Boise's criminal record in this one, which I don't think it's ever mentioned again. No, I mean, as we say, we're, they're all dodgy. And so far, I mean, not being funny, it's not a revelation, is it? Because we've seen him doing money laundering and he runs a dodgy car place and all diamond smuggling and all that sort of stuff. So it's not a stretch. There is one bit here, and I know it's something that we've discussed several times as these episodes have um, gone on and stuff. Is obviously there's always that thing that like Boise's got a bit on the side, like he's obviously his missus up in Sheffield and that. And we've always said, well, mm. he values Marlene so highly, like she's almost like a trophy for him. Like, I don't know if he actually would cheat on her. And there's a bit here when um Rodney's like, oh, but it's illegal. And Marlene's like, what, giving a baby, you know, love and obviously a home and a chance in life is illegal, is it? There's a bit there, it's actually quite tender. Boise actually looks at her and he like puts his arm around her to comfort her and like agree with what she's saying. And, he, you know, it looks quite heartfelt. And it's like, you know, it's probably the only time we see Boise being tender towards Marlene, but it just shows that he does care. And again, it just yeah. kind of contradicts the whole thing. I didn't imagine he would actually have a bit on the side up in Sheffield. It just doesn't make sense. No, I mean, we never see him. Obviously, we, we see him in the first ever episode with the E-Type J and says it's for his bit on the side. Then, like you say, um, his bit in Sheffield, apparently. I, it's strange. I don't like the thought of... Boise cheating on Marlene because I like Marlene and I like Boise and Marlene as a couple and they're always at each other's throats but that's kind of love isn't it sometimes I mean I'm not saying my relationship's like that thank god it's not but um yeah I don't know I just don't like the thought of him cheating on her. it doesn't wash with me and luckily we never actually see it so yeah I don't know it's a weird one yeah um that pretty much is that scene isn't it it sort of cuts um like around from this because like doesn't this one just gonna go it like sort of fades out and then just goes straight to like the flat next doesn't it or something like that because these scenes in this episode i was thinking earlier there's only four locations there's a well three locations there's a pub flat and boise's house and they just kind of jump towards each other but they don't really kind of wrap themselves up like some of the other episodes do yeah yeah you're right the only thing i do like before we go on to the next part in this is um when uh they say about when they was like it's a chance to have a loving father and a doting mother and they don't come more doting than that, as he points at Marlene. I think that's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. You're right. Even Juki's got a bib. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how it all wraps up then, bread roll, because obviously things don't quite go to plan, which you probably won't be surprised to hear. So Dell arranges for Anna to meet Boise and Marlene and hand the baby over to them. Dell says, out of the three thousand pounds, he'll give Anna three hundred pounds to go back to Germany once the baby is given to Boise and Marlene. Anna arrives and decides she wants to keep the baby. Anna sees Boise and Marlene and runs off into the bedroom crying. The baby's a girl rather than a boy, as Dale said. Boise wanted a boy to adopt and says everything he buys off Dale has something missing. 
Also, the baby is actually half-caste, which I'm not sure you're allowed to say anymore, so I'll say mixed race. Spencer's parents were from the West Indies. This means Boise cannot claim to be the fa baby's father due to the baby's dark skin. Marlene says their dog Duke is brown. Boise bellows that he's not claiming to be Duke's father, and Albert jokingly says there is a likeness. Boise cancels a deal with Dale. He then leaves, followed by a crying and hysterical Marlene. The baby then throws up after crying, which is actually when Dale and Rodney are, are sort of tending to it, isn't it? And they're still not in the room at that point. So that's how the episode wraps up. And obviously we've said the baby selling thing is just a, an absolute no-go, and you wouldn't get away with that today at all in uh, modern TV, I wouldn't have thought. And also, obviously, the joke about the skin colour is probably a little bit too close to the mark these days as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's, there's, a, there's a whole kind of sort of section here, really, of uh, lingo. And again, it's all done in, like, good fun. It's not meant to be offensive. But again, like you say, nowadays, in this day and age, uh, it wouldn't fly at all. There is one bit as well. Like, there's a bit when they reveal that, obviously, um, the baby is kind of, um, like, say, half-cast or mixed race, whatever term we're going to use. Um, obviously, it gets revealed, and then the audience kind of laugh because they're in on the joke. But I wonder how they did that in the live audience. Would they have like screens up? Do you think for the camera to sort of look into the um, the carrier, and then the audience to see what they're actually laughing at? Or do you think they were just told? I don't know. It's a good shout. I never thought of that because obviously they were filmed in front of a live law law live audience. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Good shout, bread roll. Maybe they they were told and they still laughed. Who knows? But. You've got to be careful, obviously, with a baby on the set anyway. You don't want to be up upsetting the baby and putting it under any stress. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, there's also here as well. Um, some of this actually an ongoing thing throughout this whole series. It leads up to one of the next specials. It's the old, uh, is it the Rajah computers in the background? Yeah. There's always something yeah. up there was flat, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, the Rajah computers go on for a while. They're sort of in the background for quite a few episodes. And obviously, Dell does try and sell them. Um, and an episode will come to fairly shortly. I do like the fact that um, obviously when Dale's trying to justify it to Rodney before the baby's born and Rodney's like obviously not having any of it and he's like it's just an excuse he's using it to um, for the debts that um, Boise owes him when he's tucked him up in the past and the three grands for all that and then he, he says he'll put 300 uh, drachma in her bin for Anna to go back to Germany. It's like drachma, well that's Greek money Dale but you know good, good shout, good try. <laughs> he, always, he always gives it his best doesn't he, good old Dale. <laughs> Deutschmark and Drachma are not too far apart, I guess. Absolutely. And the bit um, before Anna goes to the hospital, and we cut to when obviously Boise and Marlene are there. The bit where she gets, sort of starts going into like labour and she's in the chair and she's like, ah, oh, and she, she's like, she's in pain. How do you know you can't speak German? That bit always fucking <laughs> cracked me up as well. <laughs> I love it. I've got that here actually. I was about to mention that, but I thought you'd probably pick up on it as well. <laughs> like, everyone's panicking, running around, and like they're going, deep breath. Deep breaths, and then Rodney starts deep breathing, doesn't he? He's like, he's like, <laughs> it's fucking great. It's just um really well played by all of them. The dialogue and just the actual like body acting is brilliant in this scene. That the whole panic and everything, and that yeah, it's just really good. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a solid, uh, solid section. It just flows really nicely. Um, there's also the bit as well, um, where Boise does this fucking amazing line where like they obviously reveal that um. The baby is say he's he's mixed race as such. <laughs> um he's like at first it's like, oh it's a boy, it's a girl and stuff. And he's like, all right, we wanted the boy, but we'll get a girl. <laughs> then he's like, it's amazing, isn't it? Everything you buy off him's got something missing. That's just such a fucking great line. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. Yeah, even sort of Dell looks and he sort of goes, mm, yeah, and kind of sort of agrees reluctantly, doesn't he? <laughs> I do like the bit when it first cuts them in the flat when they're waiting for Anna to get back and uh, there's Dell, Rodney, uh, not Rodney, uh Boise and Marlene. 
and Marlene's pacing up and down the, the carpet in the isn't she and uh <laughs> Dale was like sit down Marlene you're doing up the Wilton and she carried on doing it and Boyce like sit down Marlene yeah, Marlene <laughs> and then he does um sorry carry on I was going to say obviously we got in the in the episode uh, Sleeping Dogs Live he's like get in the car it's just the way he's, he's really fucking harsh with her sometimes isn't he yeah and then she's like saying like when they found out the baby again is mixed race but she still wants it and stuff and he's like for god's sakes Marlene I might be able to convince people to buy my cars. I might be able to con them into thinking you gave birth in seven days flat. How can I convince them that my grandfather was Louis Armstrong? It's fucking amazing. <laughs> That's a great uh, rendition of that there, Bread. Well, I've actually got that in my um, notes because the way John Chalice delivers that whole speech, I wondered if he did it first time because it's just his whole mannerisms and the way he says it in that really distinct, boisey sort of voice. I wondered if he managed it first time. Obviously, you did it really well then. Completely oh, live. <laughs> he goes fucking bright red as well when he's saying it. he's getting redder and redder as he's going because obviously he's just like belting it out in that proper like boisey voice and everything. It's it's amazing. It is, yeah. Dale also pours uh, Marley one of his cocktails in this scene while they're waiting for Rodney Nana to come back. I noticed. Um, so uh, Marley gets treated to one of Dale's erotic cocktails. <laughs> yeah, good old erotic cocktail. He's done a good job as well, hasn't he? Actually, it's pretty good. He's got the umbrella in there. He's got the slice and the ice and everything going on. I think he just gives um Boise a brandy, doesn't he? <laughs> Uh, I don't think boys would drink one of those anyway. It's not his style, is it? But I like it. Obviously, Rodney's actually genuinely trying to tell Dale, obviously, about the, the baby being mixed race in the in the hall. But Dale's just not listening. He just keeps cutting him off. He, he manages to find out that Anna's falling in love with the baby. And that just sends him into an absolute panic. And then he just won't listen to whatever else Rodney's trying to tell him, will he? Yeah. So the bit where I said David Jason makes a little gaffe, and it is really subtle, actually. And I'd never noticed it before. So, you know, when he says to uh, Boise and Mylene, oh, about your little baby boy, it ain't. And then, ain't what? A boy. Well, what is it then? Well, it's a baby girl. So that bit's fine. But then after that, under his breath, while sort of Boise and Mylene are kind of like stressing out a little bit, he says, you know what I told you about it being a girl? Well, it ain't. It's just, it's, it's a line that I'd never even really noticed him saying before. And obviously it is a girl. He's meant to say, you know what I said about it being a boy? Well, it ain't. If you watch it back, he does actually say that. It's very, almost under his breath, he says it. And obviously, they just left it in because it doesn't really affect it. I've never noticed it watching this episode a hundred times. But it's definitely there. Ah, that's, I've never, I think, I'm, like I say, I've clocked it, but I've never actually picked up on it like that. That's actually really interesting. Yeah, it's on the Only Fools like, fan wiki page. So I'm not going to take any credit for finding it myself because I never did. And it, like I say, it's so subtle. It's almost a line he says under his breath. But it's definitely a, a boo-boo that they left in. But there we go. And obviously, yeah, I like it. The, uh... Sorry, Karen. No, go on, Brad. Well, you Karen. I was only going to say about Albert doing his head mannerism. So it wasn't particularly important. <laughs> oh, yeah. It looks like a bloody, like a bobblehead gnome, doesn't he? The way he goes in the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I like it when I, in, especially in shows like this that are more kind of sitcom-y, I like it when they keep slight fluffs or slight mispronunciations and stuff in there, because to me it just seems more natural. Because yeah. like when you're speaking and everything, everyone always kind of everyone stutters or fluffs something, don't they? It's like, oh shit, I can't get my words out today, that sort of thing. And when they leave well, it into a show like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> After fucking episode <laughs> it's half an hour, but 20 minutes is that is us cocking up. <laughs> But um, yeah, I like the way they keep it in there because it just makes it seem just a bit more natural to me instead of everyone talking 100% perfectly just for the sake of being recorded. Yeah, it's a really good shout. And um, I mean, there's a few little things throughout these episodes where people make slight mistakes and everything. They seem to have left it in. Um, there's the one where um, uh, 
Junior, isn't it? When he's uh, Rodney says, "When did you first meet her?" And he's like, "1960s." Kind of sounds like he cocked his lineup, but they just left it in. But yeah, it does make it sound more natural. So yes, good shout, Fredro. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not really much else I've got to say about this particular episode, um, really. Other than for me personally, I really like this episode. I think it's great, and it's great to see an episode where, like, again, everyone's kind of on track again. Like Albert's kind of doing his thing. He's a bit more kind of natural. And then, um, like we get like Boise, it's always good when you've got the episodes that have more people in it. And more than anything, it's uh, good to see Marlene back because, again, she becomes a big stable point from this point onwards. Absolutely. I've got pretty much exactly the same things here as my sort of wrap-up notes. One thing as well, just before we do wrap up totally. So, obviously, we said Anna's just in this one episode, which she is. So what happened to her and the baby? They never get mentioned again. Obviously, these episodes are very standalone. It becomes more of a an actual running theme, doesn't it, from Series 6 onwards more so. But, I mean, these are very standalone, but we never hear about Anna and the baby ever again. No, we don't. And you would have thought, because, again, Boise walks out and he's like a Saturday morning cartoon villain, isn't he? He's like, you've not heard the last of this one, Dale boy. It's almost like when, like, fucking Skeletor buggers off and he's like, we'll meet again, He-Man, every time <laughs> Fucking Boise's always like, you haven't heard the last of this one, but we have, because we never actually get it mentioned again. Yeah. That's a good shout. But yeah, I mean, I've not really got a lot else to say apart from, as you say, this is a really good episode and it works well. Albert now comes into his own and especially as Leonard Pierce was the original sort of cast member that was this was written for. So whatever John Sullivan did, he did it really well. And um, from now on in, Albert becomes, like say, the, the Albert we all know and love. So yeah, great episode. Definitely dodgy subject on a sort of whole level of reasons, but it works. It was 1986. Things were different back then. Um, but yeah, even for Dale, flogging the baby is just a little bit, little bit low. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit rinky dink. But yeah, absolutely. As JT said, this is a great episode. I think again, it's one of those perfect episodes. If you wanted to introduce someone to any fools, you could jump straight in with this. It's a great starting point. Again, it's got like a nice selection of characters in it, and it's a really good story. If they're a little bit unpc by today's standards, and like you say, just the, the subject matter is, you know, if you take things too seriously, you probably won't like any fools in the first place. But there we go. <laughs> It's of its time, isn't it? <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as always, to all our listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in. It's great to be back and doing some more Only Fools and Horses. We will be powering through with the rest of Series 5, uh, weekly scheduled, unless something drastic happens. Um, but yeah, if you do like the show, then of course, get in touch and let us know your thoughts on not only the show, but the episode we've reviewed and any of the upcoming episodes of Only Fools that you may like or know any sort of tidbits about. Um, get in touch at the Hyperbaric Goats on Twitter. And from me, Bread Roll, I am signing off this week. And from me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. And unfortunately, Bread Roll's already said it, but I haven't got anything else. He thought he was going to pull a Swede, and she gets lumbered with a cabbage. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices and a straw. Long live Hooky Street